All right. Good evening to you and welcome to the 573 Report. I'm Gabe DeArmond. Mitchell Forty is on the other side of your screen. I don't know which side of your screen that is, but he's on the right side of my screen. So probably the left side of your screen. But uh, hey, you guys, we already have questions and comments. You guys are starting to get the hang of this. This is, I don't know what, Mitch, week four, maybe? Uh, yeah, week four. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're a long way into this thing. We're veterans now. We know completely what we are doing. We'll not mess up. You guys are here with questions. Everything's going perfectly, except for the college football season. Uh, <laughs> not, not quite as perfect on that front. Um, we were supposed to be here talking about Vanderbilt, Missouri. That's obviously not happening. Um, Florida LSU is not happening. Nick Saban is coaching from home on an iPad um, and... We'll see if college football is allowed to happen without Nick Saban. So I I don't know, Mitch. I feel like we went through this with, you know, with, with the Marlins and Cardinals and everybody said, oh, my God, baseball's over, right? And then we went through it with some other stuff. And finally, now it kind of feels like, yeah, this is a bump, but we're still going to have games. I mean, nobody's immediately screaming, we have to shut everything down now. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, um, the MLB went through some hiccups. The NFL's gone through some hiccups. I think, you know, the big thing is, is, you know, people kind of came to a point where, uh, where it was like, okay, if we're going to do this thing, you know, we know there's going to be issues. We're never going to keep everyone from getting COVID. We just kind of got to plow through. And, and when the SEC, you know, initially made that decision to, you know, not cancel its season when the big Tw big 10 or sorry, big 10 and PAC 12 originally did, obviously they've since reversed course. I think that was, you know, part of the deal was, you know, they built in f flexibility of the schedule because they knew some things were going to get, have to get moved around um, that, you know, I would assume Greg Sankey told all the ADs, this isn't all going to be perfectly fair, but if you want to do this, this is how it's going to have to be. Um, now, does that mean, you know, obviously there's still a chance that, that things could go wrong, that, that this, we might not finish the season, but I think that the sense is, and my sense is, um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to get through this worst case scenario. Not everyone plays 10 games, but I don't see them pulling the plug on the season anytime soon. Yeah. And appreciate you guys comments and questions coming in. And we're definitely going to put those up throughout the show. Uh, generally kind of, kind of talk over some things for a few minutes first. And so obviously everybody most concerned with Missouri and look, we're going to look back. We're going to talk about the LSU game and all that, because I think this is the show where we both said Missouri clearly is a better team than LSU. They're going to win. I mean, <laughs> we had faith all along. So everybody else picked LSU. Um, I certainly never texted anybody I knew and said, Missouri's missing seven dudes. Like I don't bet games, but I think LSU minus 14 is a decent bet. I would never do anything like that. So, you know, um, anyway, all along we knew Missouri was going to beat LSU, so we'll get to that. But the situation right now, Vanderbilt has scholarship players somewhere in the 40s. Florida is down to 50. I actually was just reading a uh, a story on our Florida site that said they're somewhere around 50. Those tests, a lot of them came back yesterday. So that would be Tuesday, which technically is 11 days from game day. So I guess it's possible Florida has enough guys to play Missouri. Um, if they don't, Vanderbilt has a bye week next week. But look, you're going to see what you saw with the NFL. The schedule on paper, that's like a nice idea. It's a good guideline. That's plan A. And if plan A happens, that's fantastic. 
But this could all get ripped up and games just moved around like, you know, chess pieces here pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, to your point also about like theoretically, you know, players who tested positive could come back. First of all, that they have to uh, test negative in order to come back. And there have been plenty of documented cases where, you know, people are over their symptoms, but testing positive for even long past the two weeks. Um, secondly, uh, you know, they, they have to get to a point where you no know, new people are testing positive and they don't feel that there's still a continued outbreak just to get back to having the team practice. And I would be surprised if, you know, if they're not practicing like a week from today, I, I don't think Dan Mullen would, would, you know, be very gung ho about playing Missouri in three days or whatever uh, after not having practiced for a week and a half. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's going to start getting moved around. You know, we were texting today like the new normal is going to be you get into, you know, Monday, Tuesday of a game week and you're like, all right, who are they playing this week? Right. Are they playing this week? Where are they playing this week? I mean, we've had that the past two weeks in a row and uh, it's just going to continue to get a little more crazy as more and more things get shuffled around. And it's going to be, I heard a pretty interesting point when the, when the whole Titans thing was happening in the NFL. So at one point, obviously Titans bills was supposed to be Sunday and then chiefs bills was supposed to be Thursday. And so then they moved Titans bills to Tuesday, which moved chiefs bills back to Sunday, unless Titans bills didn't happen. Then they were talking about still moving chiefs bills back to, to Thursday. And somebody brought up a good point. They said, well, what happens if the bills find out on Monday that the Titans can't play all of a sudden, are they just going to be told, Oh yeah, you play the chiefs in three days, get ready. I mean, that's, you can't do that. You've, you've got to have right. some certain and Florida, like you said, they, they don't want to have two days of practice and find out, but What's the cutoff? I mean, what if you get to Monday and then they've been out of practice for five days? Is Dan Mullen going to be like, yeah, cool, let's go play a game in five days? And, oh, by the way, coach, let's have 90,000 people there, Dan Mullen, <laughs> that guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he walked that one back uh, pretty significantly Hello, on the SEC conference call today. Um, Good. But, yeah, no, yeah, so I, I think there – I think coaches – you know, a lot of times would, would certainly if I mean, they even miss one or two practices, pull the plug on the whole week because that just, you know, shatters their routine and they're creatures of habit. Um, I think, you know, there would be a point in there. I don't know where it is, but there would be a point that, that you know, the league would say, yeah, no, you're playing this game. Sorry. But I think when you get to about Wednesday, I think Wednesday seems to be the cutoff for all these decisions. You know, we saw it with the, the hurricane moving to the LSU game. And, and now we, Dan Mullen kind of said today on the conference call, like Wednesday's the day you need to be back to practicing or decide you're not going to play so that, you know, just everyone involved with putting on a game has time to adjust. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's a, it's a tradition on this show to start with a Bob Douglas comment. Uh, this, this one is that Mitchell's hair is like an oasis. So I don't know what it's an oasis from, but Bob, we appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you watching every week. I think Mitchell's starting to wonder if he doesn't appreciate you watching every week, but uh, thanks for joining us. He's my us. biggest fan. Yeah, he is. Uh, the only compliment I got is is on my uh, Kansas City Royals world champion glass. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Certainly nobody's complimenting my hair. It is not a <laughs> so, um, um, So let's kind of – I mean – there is no such thing as time in 2020, right? Because we've gone, I feel like this is about the fourth time since March that we've gone from everything is terrible and not happening to, Oh, Hey, it feels like, like last weekend actually felt like football season. I, you know, you're, you're at for, Oh, I'm watching Missouri LSU. I turned that off. I was watching the end of, or, I mean, finished up watching the end of Auburn, Arkansas. There was night games. It felt like football season. 
And then it was just like 2020 came up and said, hey, guess what? Still here, you know? Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I just feel like we go back and forth on, on the same two topics every couple of weeks. Yeah, and we kind of have for months now. I mean, yeah. even, you know, back in the summer, there was, you know, oscillating waves of optimism followed by pessimism. And then, like, you know, I remember, you know, things started to obviously you remember things started to open back up and then they started to shut back down. And then, you know, people like we were getting into fall camp and it's like, uh, you know, kids came back on campus. So things spiked, but then they went back under control. I think it's just kind of been the nature of this whole thing. Um, you know, people want to return back to normal and then they start to do that and then there's like these reminders and so yeah um i, I think that's kind of just gonna be how it is for a little while i mean yeah. at least the foreseeable future um until there's a, a widespread vaccine so uh but yeah i think like we said earlier you know we, we've reached the point at least where the waves of of like this isn't normal or at least not like we have to cancel everything and stop playing football like that that still seems like a, a you know, unlikely scenario at this right. point to me. Yeah, they're they're trying to play every game they can because there's this little minor deal of these like billion dollar TV contracts uh, right. that are happening. So we are going to get to your guys' questions, but uh, real quick, I want to take care of the business side of things first. I want to thank five seven three T's. You check them out at five seven three T's dot com. That's T E E S dot com they've got uh look a lot of you guys probably want to buy some eli Drinkwitz shirts after last week because he kind of put on a clinic uh they've, they've got some of those they've got mizzou shirts they've got chief stuff cardinal stuff royal stuff all kinds of stuff uh go check them out uh go through the story on our site as a power mizzou subscriber or a viewer of this show you can get 10 percent off so 573t's.com Thanks to them for making this show possible every week. And uh, while you guys are here, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button. I, we're four weeks in. I still don't really know how it helps, but I, I know it helps. Like people say it helps. So uh, if you guys can do that and, and just spread the word about uh, all the stuff we're doing this year and the shows, that'd be great. So let's get to uh, some of the, the questions. And the first one I'm actually going to take off our message board because uh, we had had somebody ask a question. Basically, he can't watch live, but he comes back and, and watches the show later. So uh, he had a question that, that he wanted us to answer, and I am getting to it. He said, uh, going back to Chase Daniel, Mizzou seen a glimpse of their future quarterback before they became a starter. How does Connor Bazelak's performance Saturday compare to previous quarterbacks' first starts, and how does the fan reaction compare to the previous quarterbacks? And I do think it's a little bit different. I mean, we saw Basilak a little bit, but we didn't see him like we'd seen Chase Daniel. I mean, Chase Daniel had already led a comeback that led to a bowl game by the time right. he was a starter. Um, James Franklin's first start, I I honestly don't really remember. It was I, I think it was like the 17-5 game over Miami of Ohio at the beginning of the 2011 season. And the only thing I remember about that game is using the stat sheets to wipe sweat off my face in the press box because it was an 11 a.m. start. Uh, the the first start I remember is the uh, is the Blaine Gabbert start against Illinois in the Dome in 2000. I guess that would have been 2009. Um, yeah, because it was after Daniel left. And I mean, I, I distinctly remember I was sitting next to Jason Whitlock in the press box, and and Whitlock said, "Man, I I'm trying to figure out who he reminds me of." And I said, "Ben Roethlisberger." Like, that's what Blaine looked like that day. And then Jason wrote a column about Big Blaine the next day. So, I like, 
felt like I should get part ownership of that, even though I didn't get a byline. But uh, Saturday was Saturday was pretty good, man. For I, I, which I guess technically was. I mean, he started the Arkansas game, but first start this year. I kind of forget that right, he yeah. didn't start Technically, last Technically, had to start first full game. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I uh, actually don't remember any of those starts you were talking about. I didn't watch any of those games. Kind of I mean, I could go back and talk about, time. like, Jeff Handy's first start or Kent Kiefer. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, you, you could, but we probably have more stuff to talk about this right. week. Um, I, I mean, Drew Locks is, you know, the one I remember. He uh, played South Carolina, and they won – he didn't play nearly as well as Connor Bazelak did, though. I mean, it was it was a, a, a different situation. You know, he was forced into to suspension. He had had a lot of hype, obviously, more probably than Bazelak. But but uh, you know, you just weren't going to get the same caliber of resonating win as you were going to get playing the defending national champs. Um, and, and I think you know the, the biggest thing is just like it, it's rare to have a quarterback make his first start in that situation where you have the chance to pull an upset like that. Like a lot of times, it's like you mentioned with James Franklin, they're playing it, you know, a season opener against a cupcake or something like that. I mean, um, you, you could speak to this better than me, though. But I mean, I, you know, fans hype up always the you know the next quarterback or the guy who's just starting up before he makes mistakes. But this seems like a, a, you know, a different level. And, and I'm not saying it's unearned. Look, you go 29 for 34 for 406 yards and four touchdowns with no defense on the field. You did, you had a good day. Um, and right. at times to be fair to Bo Pelini, it did appear <laughs> as if there was no defense on the field. Um, I, I mean, it, it was, it, I, I was stunned and I, I still, I don't think we're going to know for a few weeks whether it was just unbelievable scheming by Missouri or LSU's defense really is that bad. I have a feeling it's a combination of the two because I don't see any way possible that you get Micah Wilson just running all by himself 41 yards down the middle of the field or Chance Looper getting 70 yards on what appeared to be a crossing pattern against a defense that knows what it's doing. But I also think... You don't get that offensive game without the coaches obviously putting together one hell of a game plan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, first of all, you know, Drinkwood's called plays like he had nothing to lose, which so, I thought was, you know, brilliant. Yeah, smart. Let, me, let me ask you what you think about that, because I, I'm not sure. Do you think him calling those plays freed up the players, or do you do you believe him that the players made some plays and then that freed him up to to call plays? I think it was a combination of both, but I think the calls helped more so. That, I mean, I obviously, you know, having success on that first drive was huge. And, and they all said that after the game because they had started out down multiple touchdowns in each of the first two games. You know, having having the you know scoring a touchdown right away shows the team that, you know, they can move the ball. They can hang with with these guys. Um, and I think, but I think, you know, just the way in which it happened, you know, a flea flicker and, and starting out with two quarterbacks on the field, I think that just frees everyone up a little bit and says, you know, like, you know, we're, we're, we're having a little bit of fun. Like, you know, people like to, you know, get creative and, and run trick plays and, and when it works, um, you know, that kind of provides a shot in the arm. Um, obviously, you know, that doesn't account for everything. You still have to consistently execute over four quarters. And, and, you know, if they really did in, in every phase of the offense, I mean, the line blocked well, the, the running backs ran well, the receivers caught very well. And we touched on base lack already. Um, so yeah, but back to your earlier point about LSU's defense, like I think Missouri's scheme played a factor and clearly Drinkwitz found a lot of weaknesses and, you know, th they, 
put dialed up a great game plan, I thought, for Connor Bazelak because he was able very often to know where to go with the ball before the snap and deliver it for for a quick, easy completion, which which is huge, obviously, if you're got a young quarterback. But like LSU's defense has got some major issues. I mean, there were you know, the Michael Wilson play, I've never seen someone that open, but there were like there were a lot of plays where it was like guys were catching the ball with no one within five to ten yards of them. Like that happened like Ten times. Right. And the Micah Wilson one, it was obvious that when when you saw the overhead shot on the replay, the corner thought it was his own defense. And I don't know what the safety thought. I think he thought it was the just stand here and watch guys run past me <laughs> defense because he didn't really appear to do much of anything. But it was clear, yeah. clear that those two guys were on the different page. But, but what was crazy to me was, you know, like, Missouri's defense obviously got torched by the pass, but they did a really good job against the run. LSU was awful against the run, too. Missouri blew them off the ball for Larry Roundtree most of the day. Yeah, he had some huge holes to run through, for sure. So, yeah, uh, LSU fans, very excited, though. They feel they feel good about how things are going. And, like, look, I want to be clear. I, I don't really care if LSU is any good or not. If you're Missouri, you do not apologize for having beaten. They still, until somebody else is, they still won the national title last year. Whether or not it's the same team doesn't really matter. So. 100%. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, in hindsight, like, yes, the wind is not as unlikely as we thought beforehand. And, you know, LSU is, should feel bad because they're one and two against, you know, not a very hard start a- to the season After having played the three easiest games on their schedule, they thought. Exactly. Exactly. Except for maybe. Um, however, however, yes, you, you know, you still that doesn't diminish just kind of the momentum that you get, uh, like you know, for a program like Missouri and a coach in his you know first season, and to have it have been such a crazy off season uh, to beat the defending champs like that, you know, that's still absolutely something to to claim, and and will start you know hopefully spark some momentum for them. All right, so we're gonna kind of start rolling through some of your guys' questions, and the first one is, do you know what happened to Chris Mills? I haven't seen or heard of him yet. I mean. As far as I know, he's just not playing. Like, I think he's on the team as far as we know, right? Yeah, I actually know because I, I checked off all the players okay. on Saturday because I was trying to figure out who was out, you know, with COVID. He was there. He's in uniform. Uh, he plays a little bit on special teams, but uh, I think he was pretty well got passed up by some of those young corners. Yeah, Rakestraw and uh, Burdine and Burdine. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, secondary, I don't think we know this. And honestly, I don't think anybody, I don't think any of us remember to ask Drinkwitz yesterday because so many things happened. But did we ever hear what happened to Jelani Williams and how he is? No. He lived uh, off the I mean, field, I, right? I, I, yeah, I asked him for, you know, just a general injury report, and he just touched on the guys who had missed that game, uh, Kobe Whiteside and Darius Robinson. So, uh, and he talked about Jarvis Ware a little bit, but. I mean, th- that whole defense, it seemed like every other play, someone was limping off the field. They were pretty banked up. I'm sure they will be appreciative of having a week off. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Is LSU's D-line bad or is Mizzou's O-line really good? I'm, I'm not ready to say the O-line is really good. I'm ready to say it's better than we thought it was going to be, though. I mean. It's absolutely better. Because yeah. we thought train wreck at first. And, and yeah. I think that's got to do with two things. First of all, the players are better. Like. Larry Borum is legitimately so far maybe the best offensive lineman in the SEC, according to people that would know more than I would because I don't know. Uh, But he's like Missouri's highest graded player. So the players are better than we thought. There are schemes. Josh Heupel did this. Mike Leach did it way back when. I mean, he basically said we have these huge line splits, so at least two of my guys line up so far from the quarterback that their, their defender can't get there. But my point is the scheme can help make a line look better. And then 
Like Marcus Johnson, greater than Brad Davis would be in my opinion. I mean, I have no proof of that because Brad Davis never taught. I've talked to each of them one time ever, I think. No, I talked to Marcus yeah. Johnson twice, so Marcus Johnson wins. But, yeah. uh, but seems to be doing a better job with what most people thought was less talent. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, like, yeah. It, I think really, you know, our, our preseason expectations were just based off of how High Drinklets talked about the line. I mean, he yeah. talked about it like it was going to be a train wreck. Um, and they've, they've been good. Um, not perfect, not great, but like, you know, um, Saturday they opened up big holes in the running game, only gave up one sack. It wasn't a good one. It led to a strip, but still, you, you know, one sack a game typically wouldn't be bad. Um, the left side of the line, which which was, you know, considered the, the weak part, um, it still probably has been a weak heart, but they, they've run the ball great behind it. I think you uh, put the stats up on the message board at one point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely have exceeded expectations so far, uh, which which went a long way in Saturday's game for sure. Yeah. Uh, Matthew says Mizzou's got to be Bo Pelini's two least favorite games in his career. Who looks back at their losses to Mizzou with greater distaste, Pelini or Bill Callahan? Um, yeah, I – I can't remember the exact – I mean, Missouri basically got Bill Callahan fired from Nebraska uh, because they absolutely destroyed him. Uh, Pelini actually, I think, beat Missouri once or twice. Um, I don't feel like he's going to be real happy about Saturday, though, because $2.3 million is about $2.29 million too much to put that defense on the field. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just that he's got to be. I mean, he is unhappy. You, the, the picture was amazing. I'm sure a lot of people oh, yeah. know what I'm talking about. Circulating on Twitter of him walking off the game, uh, walking off the field, holding his head in his hands. But I mean, more so, the LSU fans have to be absolutely ready to burn his house down. Yeah. With fairly like, compelling reason. Like because, actually, legitimately. You know, that's not maybe not yeah. even a joke. No, that's not. I'm actually not. I mean, like that could happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like. You know, Mississippi State's offense, we all chalked that up to Leach being a genius. They've they've been looked horrible the past two weeks. They, they scored like scored what, fourteen points, points against game. Arkansas and then two points, yeah. which was obviously their defense against Kentucky. And then, you know, you have a Missouri team that hasn't done anything really to speak of on offense the first two weeks, and you know, they put up forty five points. I mean, like and like I said earlier, I mean it was it was really like embarrassingly bad performance from LSU's defense. There were guys running wide open. You know, there were se several plays where it just like like every Missouri, a Missouri player would get the ball in the middle of the field, and everyone just kind of like be like, man, like yeah. just watch him kind of go. I mean, it, it's they've got some issues on, on that side of the ball. Excellent performance from Faux Pelini on Twitter, though. I thought oh, always uh, there were always some, there were a number of good ones. Uh, one point he was scolding Missouri for beating kids displaced by a hurricane. One point he was very pleased that LSU was leading the punting yardage competition. So it was an excellent day for him. Um, all right. Jake wants to know, is there a concern with CJ Boone transferring? I, you gotta be careful when you answer this question, not to be like, like look, CJ always seemed like a good kid. Maybe, maybe a great player somewhere, but, not really would be my take, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, at a certain point, Missouri is getting kind of thin, and you do worry about not being able to get back to 85 scholarship players if a few more leave. Right. Um, and certainly if they raise the scholarship limit uh, coming off this season, they will be down a number of Missouri's scholarship players compared to some other teams. 52 guys next year. <laughs> well, you see, that's the thing. You can't sign right. more than, you know, 25 initial counters, and it might be a couple more than that, but we won't wait into the weeds there. Um, however, with C.J. Boone particularly, I mean, you know, not really. Look, like, 
the other guys who stepped in on Saturday played great. And, uh, you know, like it looks like you have some depth at that position. So, um, you know, it, uh, I'm, I, he might, yeah, he, like you said, he might end up being a really good player. Maybe we'll look back on it and say that was one they should have, you know, got given playing time to earlier. But generally, you know, the coaches play the guys who they think are going to, you know, yeah. do the best in the games and the guys who they put in Saturday uh, played well. And somebody asked me, like, when do transfers start to become a concern? And I said, when they start coming off the 2D. And then yeah. if you got guys that are playing, uh, that are transferring, that's a little bit concerning. But in general, when you look and a guy left and he hadn't seen the field, I, you know, there, there are generally reasons for that. Both sides are, are usually okay. So, all right, we got quite a few questions like this. So we're going to kind of transition into this, uh, this line of questioning. How likely is it that Mizzou played the final game of the season last Saturday? I, I would say like 0.5%. They're playing again. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be stunned if they don't. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the, the compelling odds is like, do they play all 10? And then you talk about like, well, maybe there's a chance they don't play all 10. Um, but they're certainly going to play again. I, I, it would have to be like an epic uh, outbreak of some sort uh, to, it, to not play again at all. People would have to, if not die, at a minimum, be hospitalized. Uh, right. Know, so, uh, yeah, no, I think I think definitely that, yeah, they will play again. And I think they will probably even play October 24th, um, even if Florida can't. I, I think, you know, we think there's there's a good chance they'll try to move some things around so that Missouri doesn't have two weeks off. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about them resuming the season. You know, and, you may be a little worried about getting to 10 games. But. Right. I had somebody ask me uh, if, you know, if Mizzou and Vandy would be played at, at the end of the season. Like, do you see them just – Say, getting to the end of the year and saying, nah, this game doesn't matter. No. And here's why. Because, okay, you've got 14 teams, 10 games each, so that's 140 games, which is actually probably 70 football games, right, that can be televised. So all the people who have paid these millions of dollars to put those 70 games on TV aren't going to give you 170th of that money if they are airing Australian rules football from 1992 in your place. I mean, it, it's not about is Vandy and Mizzou the most compelling game. Like Sterk was talking about, they can push games. Uh, if teams aren't involved in the SEC title game, they can push them back till the day of the SEC title game. I mean, imagine the audience for a lead-in of Mizzou-Vandy into Alabama-Georgia. You know, uh, I'm, I'm sure ratings would be very similar, but that's not the point. The point is... Missouri fans are going to watch. Vanderbilt fans are going to watch. Football fans who are sitting around looking for a game on December 12th are going to watch that. And so that's better than they're going to get to watch, you know, the some of the crap we were watching in May on ESPN, like the, you know, the, the cornhole championships and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always been about inventory. Like, yeah. you know, that's always always the driving force behind, you know, Reggie Green's schedules. How can we get as many of our, you know, teams game teams playing games as possible? Um, I think what they should do is have Mizzou Vandy play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, like Final Four style, like two games, you know, in the same site. <laughs> and uh and and make that like a you know like like 30 minutes after that game ends the sec title then, has to wait so that i just i just like the idea of like the sec title game getting delayed because mizzou and vandy go into overtime and then greg sankey comes out in the field is like nope it's a tie we well, don't would have time the, for would this. the two winners then play monday night for the real sec championship 
Like uh, no, probably not. <laughs> okay. I, I was just curious how that would work. Uh, all right. So Adam wants to know over under on four and a half SEC games played this weekend. I mean, there are currently five scheduled. Uh, and the interesting part here, and I know we've got another question about this, and, and I'll find it uh, while we're answering this, but the interesting part is what happens at Alabama, right? Because uh, yes. Nick Saban got the Rona today. and uh, Yes, Nick Saban and their athletic director. Um, well, it, yeah, like, I mean. I mean, let's be honest. Well, Nick Saban is their athletic director. No, well, yes. <laughs> you know, Nick Saban is. People, people could or like, yeah, I hope Greg gets better. But like Nick, man, we, I don't even know if we can have a season without Nick Saban and not just at Alabama. I don't know if we're allowed to have a college <laughs> football season without Nick Saban. I mean, truly like if he suffered complications, like that would definitely be something oh, on a scale of then when you're like concerned that. about like, okay, is the season going to continue? That would, that's about the only you know way I get there in the near future. Um, however, I actually, well, the 4.5 number is compelling because you have Alabama with question marks and Ole Miss with question marks. I think, I, I think, you know, as of now, probably I lean towards all five games are going to be scheduled for a couple reasons. One, like I said earlier, you're getting to the point where you need to make a decision. Now I understand like, you know, anything can happen with these tests. Alabama could, you know, test again tomorrow and have a bunch of tests come positive and then they have no choice but to cancel the game. Um, but because they're, I think because they're testing every day, we would know if they're, you know, close to that right. threshold and, you know, because they're testing every day, I don't think it's likely that all of a sudden in one day, they're going to have 20 more people go into contact tracing. I could be wrong. I don't actually, you know, know how their numbers are being reported. If they're reporting to local media or any of that stuff, maybe that's not even out there and they are close and we don't know it, but it seems to me like, uh, like that game is probably looks like a safe bet to be played right now well and I, I think it was Saban's daughter tweeted out that no symptoms he is coaching practice via a zoom call right now from home and a, a friend of mine texted me and said that they should just give Saban one of those giant hamster balls and he should roll around the practice field and like if anybody's gonna do it you can and look obviously we're not joking about Nick Saban having COVID we want him to be fine and all that but he is uh like if Nick Saban can't be at practice I I don't know what that guy does, man. He's got to be going. Bananas. Apparently he virtually coached yeah. practice, like watched it on monitors. I'm sure he was just berating the GA in charge of like showing him the whole field. Cause they weren't showing him one of the, some of the action or whatever. <laughs> and I got um, another text that was like, somebody has to carry the, the tablet around and he's like, damn it. No, I said the linebackers take me over there, you know? So yeah. what a miserable I really job. Think, I really think all of this should be filmed and we should be able to see how it's happening because it would interest me to no end. Yeah. I mean, I think I texted you. I want a camera in Nick Saban's house for the Georgia game, but like, because I, I mean, he can't coach that game. So getting back to the question, that's the question over under four and a half. You, you can't postpone that game because Nick Saban can't coach it. If they have enough players, they play it, and he just doesn't get to be there, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing Florida State did with Mike Norvell out. And, and very similar profiles of those coaches, you know, and very <laughs> successful programs both. Uh, right, but still, I, and yes, right. this is a huge game. I get that, but yeah, you can't like all of a sudden make up the rule now, like oh, your head coach isn't there. You can't. We can't play because it's already happened. But only if your head coach is Nick Saban do we have that rule. For everybody else, <laughs> no big deal. Uh, but. I mean, we haven't, you know, Lane Kiffin said today that Ole Miss has some issues going on, but if the game was today, they, they could play. The one that I think is, is going to be interesting over these next couple of days is what happens to Texas A&M? 
because they played Florida last week. And Florida's guys seem to think that the travel was some of it. And even their AD said a couple times, said there were a couple kids who, after they tested positive on Sunday, said they had like a runny nose and a sore throat on Friday, but they just didn't think anything of it. So they hadn't said anything. So they, so what if A&M all of a sudden starting having numbers, then we get under that four and a half this weekend. Yeah. And that's also an interesting kind of test case for like, does this virus spread? Right between opponents on the football field like you know i can easily imagine how you can have an outbreak within a travel party you know you're in the same locker room you're you're you know in probably vans and buses and planes together and all that um but if you know clearly the virus was kind of being shed around the time they were you know playing that game um and, and the sec has all these you know monitoring devices now to see how long people are in close contact with one another during games so like if a bunch of AM players test positive maybe you have to rejigger what counts as a close contact during a game it would be uh it would be a little bit of a challenge um so hopefully that you know isn't the case um but yeah i, I haven't heard anything of, of positives there as of right now yeah so uh no nothing nothing that we know postponed anywhere else in the sec besides mizzou vandy and in florida lsu so far um we'll see i'm rolling through questions kind of going out of order to make everything fit so so i'm going back here and and trying to find some things we talked about this a little bit but if florida missouri doesn't happen can vandy at missouri take its place yes if vandy can play and like, here's the thing that nobody in Nashville is going to say out loud. I'm not real sure Vandy's all that unhappy they're not playing. Like, I, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it's kind of not a joke. Um, right. Look, they're real bad. I mean, LSU held them to seven points. South Carolina beat them 41-7. They are freaking bad. They're going to be 0-10 this year It would if they play 10 games. And if you're Derek Mason and you're sitting there with a new AD and a new university president and you're like, I mean, guys, I'm sorry. We just went 0-3. I mean, but I really feel like we're going to turn a corner. But sorry, we just couldn't play anymore. You got a lot better chance to keep your job than 0-10 and you lost every game by 30 points. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they've had uh, kind of a rough go of it. They had, uh, I think. Same number, maybe right around the same number as Missouri opt out. But I think there was one or two meaningful contributors in there before the season. Um, you know, they, they've obviously being in Nashville, I think, have, have had a little more like issues with with, you know, ordinances and not being able to have fans. Um, I mean, you know, and they're they're just not very good, as you mentioned, like they're the they're underdogs in every game on their schedule. So it's already not like fun to go out and, you know, be the, the punching bag for all these teams and not get a chance to play, you know, whoever they would play from from, you know, the, the FCS or the group of five and get some wins. Uh, but then you talk about, you know, going out there with when you're down starters or, or, you know, like they played last week with 56 scholarship players. I mean, like, that's no fun. So I could see them if they're like right at the number, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's some accountability. Like, I'm sure the SEC is going to say, like, at a certain point, like, look, we need you to play if you you but want that check. If, yeah. Right. But if they're right around the number, I could see them being like, well, this person, uh, they had the virus, but they need to be out 14 days instead of 10. So we're at 52. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll be. Interesting. And that's just speculation, by the way. Like, I'm not saying that's happening, but I could see it. Right. So, uh, yeah. Tucker says Sankey will put pressure on Vandy at some point if they miss up, miss a bunch of games that messes up the schedule. And yeah, you can't have the argument about who gets in the college football playoff 
about whether the number four seed didn't get another an extra win over Vanderbilt, you know. So they'll <laughs> they'll figure it out. They'll 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 play. But I'm just saying, I'm not sure Vanderbilt is necessarily hurrying to play. I don't think they were super upset maybe that they didn't make the trip to Columbia this weekend with 46 guys or or whatever that number is. So. Before we get back uh, to a little bit more Mizzou and your questions and things like that, I uh, want to again point you to 573tees.com. This is the 573 Report, and they do sponsor it, 573tees.com. You get your Mizzou shirts, uh, get all kinds of stuff. They've got Raider stuff. Not not Raiders. They might have Raiders stuff. I meant Chiefs stuff, but I just had Raiders on the brain because, uh, you know, wow. of what they did to the Chiefs. Uh, but Chiefs stuff, Blue stuff, Cardinal stuff, Royal stuff, uh, yeah, Columbia stuff, you know, some some uh, state of Missouri stuff. So go check them out. Uh, they've been a sponsor of ours all year, helping us out, helping us be able to do things like this. And, uh, again, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, maybe even tell a friend. And, and here's what we're actually going to do. So, um, if the right now until midnight, we are running a deal that you can get one year of access on power Mizzou for $12. So here's what I'm going to do for you guys watching this show. Now that expires at midnight. If you sign up for that deal by midnight and you email me at powermazoo at gmail.com, tell me you did, I'll add three months to that. So if, if you're not a subscriber but you're watching this show, you sign up for that, email me, I'll add three months. If you are a subscriber and you're watching this show, obviously you're not eligible for that deal, but we do appreciate you. So if you are watching this show and you currently subscribe, the first three emails I get, just tell me, hey, I'm going to add six months to your subscription for checking us out and being with us. So shoot me an email, powermazoo at gmail.com. It's only going to be three because I can't give everybody six months free and everybody 12 months or for $12. Otherwise, I have to fire Mitchell. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate him. I was going to say I appreciate you being Oprah, giving out you know everyone yeah. free months and deals. But if I have to get fired, I actually would, would right. like that to stop. Please pay more. Yeah, so, uh, so not for long. But uh, – all right, going to get back to some of the questions. Keegan, uh, which individual player outside of Bazelak has exceeded your expectations and who has not lived up to what you thought they'd be? Look, pretty much everybody who played receiver on Saturday exceeded my expectations. I mean, I legitimately had never heard of Deontay Smith a month ago. I didn't, I didn't know he was a person. I mean – no, I, would, I didn't either. I didn't until Saturday. I only knew him as the player everyone referred to as Boo Boo because right. I, I still don't know unique. how to spell his first name. I, I mean, With his actual one or Boo Boo? Because Boo Boo is no, pretty straightforward. Boo Boo, I can spell, but Deontay, I know okay. there's an apostrophe in there. Um, but I, I mean, if you had asked me a month ago, is there a person named Deontay Smith? I would have said yeah, probably, but I would not have known <laughs> that he was a Missouri football player. So yeah. It, Everybody there, but as far as guys that like we knew were going to play but are better, man, I thought Isaiah McGuire was really impressive on Saturday. I, he's a yeah, guy; he, he's got to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he not only was he you know he was good. I mean, he played almost every snap mm -hmm. despite I think it was you know late third, early fourth quarter. He he got banged up and he was hobbling around out there between plays from time to time. I mean, he he was definitely not feeling hundred percent. Um, and yeah, he, he's a guy who's kind of one of those hybrids can play, um, you know, sort of defensive end or defensive tackle like Akil Byers and who, who had been playing more end, but moved a, a little more inside on Saturday. And, and 
I don't know, one of those two spots, you got to keep starting him. Because, yeah, he was he played a heck of a game. Um, him and the receivers. But, I mean, the deep, the, the deep defensive tackles, the interior of the defensive line and the wide receivers were clearly the two surprises of the game. I mean, you mentioned Deontay Smith. Uh, he, he looked like I thought he was the best receiver for Missouri, not named Jalen Knox on Saturday. Towski Dove makes a couple big catches, uh, you know, the, the long one on the flea flicker. Barrett Bannister, former walk-on, makes uh, make, just kind of does what Barrett Bannister does, moves the chains. Chance Looper, freshman, uh, gets in there and makes some catches. I mean, like, that was, you know, I've seen – Oh, Michael Wilson also, I think, yeah. has now thrown for, uh, ran for, and caught a touchdown at Missouri. That's kind of rare. Um, like, y- you see sometimes, you know, one guy come in and, you know, he gets his number called because someone gets hurt or two people get hurt in front of him and he does well. Like, I can't really remember a time when we've seen an entire position group like that. Like, you know, it's a whole bunch of guys we ha- we haven't heard from, and they play great. They had no drops. Yeah. Like, that was that was really impressive to me. It's, and Harrison Mevis knocks a 52-yard field goal, I think was a little bit short on a 56-yarder. So, He's got room for improvement, um, you know, before uh, before next week. We, we expect a 56-yarder to be made. But, no, a lot of positives. I, I just put up this comment from Justin to acknowledge that he has uh, changed his YouTube profile picture, actually, to a bottle of Jägermeister, which I appreciate. He uh, he spent most of the day Saturday updating us on his Jägerbomb progress through, throughout the game, and he – seemed he was still alive for the postgame show so i was i was impressed by that um all right let's see rolling through more questions okay so does mizzou have a chance against florida i tend to think you can hang with the team when they can't play defense and obviously with the caveat are they playing that game we don't know for sure if they do play that game who plays for florida we don't know that for sure um, but yeah, I mean, Florida, we were all kind of ready for the coronation and then what the hell did they do against Texas A&M? Like they were in control of that game. It was 21 seven, I think. And then just all of a sudden they just weren't. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to give Obviously, my disclaimer. I did not watch it. it. I did not watch a second of it. They played at the same time as right. Mizzou. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that, that one surprised me, obviously, you know, Florida had been playing well. Now I, I never quite, you know, bought into like Florida is, you know, back to, you know, urban Meyer levels or like going to beat Georgia to win the East. I mean, I thought it was possible, but I didn't think it was likely necessarily. Um, and, and after Saturday, like, I don't want to ever, you know, come out and say like, no, Mizzou has no chance. Cause I literally said that in the post game sh- or in the pregame show and yeah. it didn't look, you know, that that's a freezing cold take. Uh, but like certainly Florida is still going to be favored, you know, pretty heavily, especially if that game's in the swamp, assuming everyone for Florida is healthy. Um, that offense is really good. And yes, I mean, like, you know, maybe, you know, their defense isn't great, but like, who do you trust more to win in a shootout? You know, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts and Dan Mullen or, or, you know, Connor Baselak and Eli Drinkwitz in his first year. I mean, Baselak looked great. Drinkwitz called a good game, but I'm, I'm going with the, uh, the more established guys, you know, there but I might i've ride, been wrong before i might ride with boo boo smith just saying so uh, <laughs> you can never bet against boo boo right so uh sir Mufflebuns wants to know what are you guys going to do now with mizzou not playing on saturday and he did clarify he meant as far as the youtube shows go they they obviously there are going to be shows on game days um saturday is no longer a game day so i am going to uh work out and get some things done around here like we have a car we have to to get cleaned up to sell and so that's my saturday mitch uh i'm definitely watching auburn or i mean uh, alabama georgia that's that's the main priority that's the silver lining here 
is we yeah. all get to watch yeah. that game now because that's a seven o'clock right. game and Mizzou was going to be six thirty and we weren't going to get to see yeah. any of it. And this is you know, this is you know like I I don't think I'm ever qualified to complain about my job, especially during football season. You know when we're watching games, but I I would have been kind of sad if I had to watch Missouri Vanderbilt over Auburn Georgia or I mean Alabama Georgia. Well, I mean the good news is you're going to get to see Alabama Georgia again in like eight weeks. That's true. That's and true. I was talking about this on a, another show I was doing. I mean, uh, the SEC doesn't care who wins on Saturday. All they care about is whoever wins that game loses the rematch. Right. They want those two teams to both go 10 and one and both they'll both be in the playoff without question. So hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And it, get, it gets a little tricky though. And if, if, you know, Alabama wins both for sure. All right. Bob Douglas is back to say that if I fire you, he's out and he takes a slew of people with him and not to overlook who the real talent is. Look, I, I know. I mean, does, does that mean I have a slew of fans more than like that, that love what? me like Bob Douglas? Cause I'm, I guess that's nice. I'm going to need to know how many, how many does it take to be a slew? Yeah, like, that's a good to question. Me, a slew is more than I can carry. Right. So not that I can carry more than one fan, but uh, that's got to be like, I, I feel like you got to be getting into double digits to be a slew. You have 10 fans. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what a, what a slew, what qualifies as a slew. I should look that up. Yeah, I don't. Okay. So Tucker says currently watching the raging Cajuns is Billy Napier, the next coach at LSU or Auburn. Um, I would have guessed maybe actually, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised by South Carolina. Because I think Will Muschamp is probably done before Malzahn or Ed Orgeron. Because as funny as, as we want to joke, like Ed Orgeron, dude, the national title buys you a couple years, right? Like, ain't yeah. no chance before, I would say, the end of next year and realistically probably the year after that that Ed Orgeron is gone. Yeah, I mean, the USA Today just came out with its coaching salaries, and I, I don't remember exactly what Ed Otron's buyout is, but I think it's like $23 million, and he just won a national title, yeah. and this season's like, you know, it's it's a pandemic. Like, you know, I, I know that, you know, at the end of the day, fans want to win games, but you can't overlook the fact that, you know, this team hardly got a chance to practice together. It's playing all new people. Um, he's got some time. He's going to even, you know, he's going to have some time to switch up coordinators if he has to do, you know, make some changes there. Um, Auburn, I, I never want to predict what's going to happen there, uh, but I'd be surprised. I think South Carolina is actually a really good guess. I'm trying to think of other potential um, like southeastern area openings. Because Ole Miss uh, I mean, ain't going to open for a while now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Unless, Not, Lane, I mean, unless gets Lane gets in trouble, job. which is always possible. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think Lane's settled yeah. down, man. He's even using his mask to recruit these days. Does that kind of settling down? I don't know. He's still Lane. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not like predicting he's going to get in trouble. Right. I'm just saying like you can't, it's, it's, it's not, not impossible. impossible. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I'm trying to think um, nothing else is like leaping to mind unless, I don't know. Maybe but, if like, you know, Texas really lost it with Herman, but I also think they could probably go for a bigger name if that I mean, happens. Napier's so. an SEC guy. And so, yeah. so Auburn is interesting because look, they want to fire Gus every week. Right. And right. I actually, I was talking to Jay Tate and I said, my new goal for the Auburn football season, I want them to win every game, but I want it to be clear that they shouldn't have won. Like it was against <laughs> Arkansas, right? Like Auburn fans are legit pissed off. They won that game. Because now they don't get to fire Gus. And so yeah. I love that. I want them to clearly be the worst team. And, like, 
I want him to win games on like bad snaps and penalties and just things that clearly they have no business because it's very fun to see them get angry about it. But I actually have a real question here. So do you fire Gus Malzahn to hire Billy Napier? Do you do that? Uh, I mean, probably not unless like the wheels have kind of fallen off and you were going to not unless like, okay, we got to get rid of, we just got to make a change and like, we'll see who the best person out there. Like, I don't know, but no, that doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. Um, I mean, uh, I like, the, the, the Gus situation at Auburn is, is ridiculous. It's wild. It's like I, I get it, like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a lot of hope that Billy Napier is going to come in there and all of a sudden make that program a lot better than it is and regularly beat Alabama unless Nick Saban retires, in which case Gus could probably do that. I mean, he's beaten out he's beaten Nick Saban more than I think everyone else, maybe everyone not named Hugh Freeze. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and David says Tennessee or Vandy. I assume that's in in relation to Napier. Um, I, he ain't taking the Vandy job. I mean, that's no. He, he, he's got a better job than that. And Tennessee, like, look, other than inability to figure out how a mask works, <laughs> I think Jeremy Pruitt might actually have some idea what he's doing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've done. Right. Yeah, they've done okay. Also, I mean, Joe Wall Jasper. If all of you all. Re- watching this haven't read joe wall jasper's column from last friday it's you know it's it it still is relevant because pruitt did his mask thing again and i i was again. in tears reading it you shouldn't like, find it on our website i mean it was funny one time but after he got called out on it he i, I can't tell you tucker says they hate gus and they might fire. i agree i mean they might i don't think it's the right no thing. They, i'm not saying it's impossible but i i just like i don't i personally don't get like you said, firing him and hiring Billy Napier. But like at, at a certain point, just like the, the, the fever to fire Gus and try to change things might win out. Yeah. So we, we're getting more discussion on your slew of fans. And Cody says yeah. that Alex Schiffer brought news of the Porters. Mitchell has been phenomenal, but I need him to bring a player like that to us before he is in the slew of fans. So I don't know, man. I Good. mean, First of all, if I'm giving away comment, subscriptions Jeff. for a dollar a month, Mitchell ain't got enough money to get recruits to Missouri. So. Yeah. First of all, thanks for the comment, Schiff. We all know that's really you and not Cody Helderman. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I, I mean, Schiff did a great job with that story. Also, just does a great job with everything. We love Schiff. But he didn't bring Michael Burr to Mizzou, <laughs> to be clear. At least, I don't think so. I, like, I hear a lot of his stories, and he's yet to tell me about dropping that bag. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like I would have. I don't one. think he had anything. Again, and we want to be clear, there was no bag drop for Michael Porter. It was just a check every month to his father. I mean, right. you know, it was legal. <laughs> it was above board. Uh, he was hired, and, and Michael came here for a little bit. So, um all right, so, yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, no game. We thought there was going to be a game. Now no game. We don't really know when the next game is or who it's against or any of that stuff. Um, so, real quick, we'll we'll wrap up with some SEC football stuff at the end, but there were some kind of non-football questions earlier. So, I want to go back and, and get to those. And Sir Mufflebuns says, I don't know if this is a basketball show, too. And this is an everything show. Like, well, I mean – we would be a little more challenged to discuss the cross country or the soccer team or things like that. But you know, I, I mean, yes, uh, within reason we can discuss Mizzou sports. Um, I mean, last week we discussed uh, a den of snakes catching a football. So that's right. yeah, I forgot can, about that. We can tackle pretty much anything. Right. Yeah. This week we're talking about what a slew is. So we are, we have a wide ranging, uh, 
wide ranging range. That sounds awful of, uh, of <laughs> topics. We know a lot of things about, but, um, anyway, what's your outlook for the tigers this year, basketball. So we actually did talk to Conzo today. Um, his interview is on our site. It's actually on this YouTube channel. Um, and Mitch, you hung around and talked to players afterwards. And I don't know. My outlook is it needs to be a team that's in contention for an NCAA tournament spot, whatever. If, if the NCAA tournament looks like it looks like in normal years, I mean, I'm not going to give me any credit if there's 326 teams in the NCAA tournament <laughs> for making it at three and 18. But yeah. I, I think they're a team that in a normal year you look at and say, yeah, they're going to need some bounces, but that's what needs to happen. And it's doable. I, I wouldn't say I'm sold it's going to happen, but it's doable. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much agree with that outlook. Uh, like, I, I think I could I could easily see a scenario where they, you know, are above 500 in the SEC and – make the tournament as, you know, seven to 10 seed. Um, I think that's very realistic, assuming, like you said, things look normal. I mean, we don't even know, you know, Kanza doesn't even know what the schedule is, as he told us today. But assuming the tournament is is played as it normally is, I could also see a scenario where it's, you know, similar to the past couple of years where you get a, you know, a couple of bad early losses, you know, maybe have a rough stretch in SEC play and then no one really cares. And maybe they, you know, are able to scrape to get together some wins later in the year, but it's too little too late. I mean, because that's what they've been kind of, you know, so it's, it's, I mean, hard to say that's not a, a realistic possibility. And the SEC just keeps getting better. Um, you had a stat uh, a week or two ago about, you know, the number of, of four and five star recruits brought into this league. I mean, this league's recruiting at a high level. Um, but I think I, I'm not, I'm also, I, I really, I think it's realistic and like, you're not crazy if you think this should, this should be a tournament team like that, that should be probably your expectation as a fan upside. Yeah. Like a seven, eight seed downside, couple games under 500 and that's a wide range, wide range, but, uh, that's just the truth. So we got one more here that's just kind of didn't fit in. Um, but, but want to get it in, in here. If they pass the one-time transfer rule, and we certainly expect them to do so, I think they may have actually today. Uh, does that help or hurt Mizzou more than others in the SEC? And questions like this, I always tend to think I they all play by the same rule. I'm not sure it helps or hurts anybody more. I mean, what you're going to see is the really good transfers are going to transfer to Alabama and Georgia and Ohio state and Oklahoma. And then the next level of transfers are going to go to like, you know, Tennessee and Michigan. And then I mean, it's just like recruiting. It's like everything else. Yeah. I, I would be like, I don't think you're going to see like players leaving a school like Mizzou to go to like a higher level because when you, when you sell kids on Mizzou, you sell them on competing in the sec and you know, right. beating and teams like Alabama saying that team have... over, they all could have What's done that? that before last year, and none of them did. Exactly. You know. Right. Like you know, you, you say like you know Alabama didn't want you, and we're gonna go beat them. Uh, I could see you know those those higher echelon schools benefiting by getting yeah better talent through the transfer market than Missouri is gonna get through the transfer market, but they do that anyway in in recruiting. Um, so I yeah, I mean I don't think you know I don't think it's it's you know anything drastic. I think there will continue to be you know just more and more kids entering the transfer portal then there are spots for them like that's yeah. kind of been an issue um over these past few years and obviously you know would not anticipate that correcting itself if all of a sudden you can play immediately so mm. it'll be interesting to see maybe it helps a little bit when you're in a situation like Drinkwitz where you need to you know you kind of want to overhaul a roster a little bit but um I also think I mean it's just probably not wise to 
bring in a class of a ton of transfers. And obviously, you know, he's used up or is looking like he'll use up a majority of his spots on high school kids in this coming class. So I don't think it changes the outlook drastically. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think I mean, they'll get a few here and there. Uh, Ron Davis, speaking of basketball, I can't believe the NCAA is giving another for a year for winter sport athletes. We could do an entire show on this, but we agree. I would think. Imagine Mizzou stands to benefit, but the roster gymnastics gets even crazier. And when I first read that question, I thought it said the gymnastics <laughs> roster gets even crazier. And it I is thought, a winter sport. I, it is. I guess they'll get another year. I couldn't name any of them, but it will be uh, it will be intriguing. Um, yeah, I, everybody gets free years, man. But I, I think it's actually going to be – I think a lot of these guys aren't going to come back. I mean – at some point, they're all going to be like, I mean, Drew Smith's not going to spend nine years in college, right? Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. I, I will say, like, I could see a scenario in which this benefits Mizzou more than some teams because anyone that they can keep from this class will help because it's looking like they're going to have a pretty steep drop off. And, and also, you know, kind of all of a sudden have to have some freshmen who are playing meaningful minutes the following year. So anyone you have who's been around like that, that doesn't hurt. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I would be surprised if it's like, you know, Drew Smith or, you know, Jeremiah Tillman, who's coming back. Um, like at a certain point, guys want to get on with their lives or, or try to make some money. But I do think also this roster, it, it, it could help Missouri because I think this is a roster that might have some really good college players, but not pros. So maybe yeah. a few of them do say, yeah, I'm good with one more year of this, you know, um, but but you can play pro basketball a lot of places. One more. If Mizzou gets invited to a bowl, they can go right. Tucker wants to know just a one year ban. Yes, they can go. Uh, we still have no idea how many bowl games are getting played or who might be invited to them or any of that. But if they do enough things where somebody wants them to go to a bowl game, uh, they can do that. So. I guess let's uh, let's just kind of finish up with no Mizzou game. We'll just we'll just roll through the SEC games real quick. Uh, we'll save obviously Georgia Alabama for last because that's the fun one and that's the good one, and we get to talk about Nick Saban coaching from his couch. Uh, and we will not probably pick LSU Florida because uh, coronavirus won that one already. So Auburn and South Carolina, like I mean Auburn should be one and two. Um, but I think they're a lot better, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't be stunned if they lost. Um, but they like, they they haven't looked great the last few weeks, but they're the better team. I, I think, you know, in a game like this kind of trust the talent. Also Gus always does this thing where, you know, he yep. gets his back against the wall and then he wins a few. So like this, if, like if he lost this one, then you would actually worry about him getting fired, but he never lets it quite get to that point. Yeah. Strongly rooting for a seven, six Auburn win when South Carolina hits the extra point off the crossbar, uh, that would have tied the game and sent it to overtime. Um, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, this is kind of – look, Tennessee played a half against Georgia. That looked to me like a team that, yeah, they're on the way. Like, fans should still feel good about how they're looking, but clearly long way to go, too, because they stuck with Georgia for a half. And uh, Tucker informs me that Bo Nix can't play. I don't know if that means he can't play this weekend or he just in general is not good at playing. But <laughs> I kind of agree with the second one. I'm not that impressed, but – Kentucky, yeah. Tennessee. Um, yeah, I mean, I Kentucky, or Tennessee should be the better team. 
Um, I'm a little worried about them. Like, you know, you come off what was the, the big game of the week and obviously really physical game because Georgia just destroys people with their right. defense. Um, but, you know, and so maybe they start slow. I think in our picks, I picked Kentucky to cover, but I think I, I would expect Tennessee to be able to to win. I mean, they, they don't have to score a ton of points usually to beat Kentucky. And, and I think, you know, with that offensive line, they should be able to, to you know, get the get the ground game going and, and yeah. do what it takes to at least win. Tucker clarified. Bo Nix is eligible to play, but he sucks, <laughs> according to Tucker. So I do appreciate the uh, the clarification there. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I also don't think he's quite the star he was made out to be after a game-winning touchdown pass in the first game of his true freshman year. Uh, the next one is Ole Miss-Arkansas. Look, I'm going to watch every Ole Miss game. They're the most fun team in the country. I love watching them play. Like, they never stop anyone, but they score almost every time they touch the ball. So, I'm here yeah. for that. Yeah. Barry uh, Barry Odom gets his chance to, to ground another high-flying, high-praised Mississippi offense that may not actually be as good as it is, um, although I, I do think, think one's this one's better good. than Mississippi State for yeah. sure. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, like, Arkansas has been fun. Um, but I'll, I think I'm probably taking Ole Miss there like that. Yeah. They, they, they've probably got better players. Like I, I trust, I trust, I uh, Lane to at least score a lot. So nah, yeah, I don't know I, much about either. I team, think Ole Miss can stop Arkansas at least twice on, on offense. I mean, right. the best stat from that, that Ole Miss Alabama game was that Alabama gained all but 41 possible yards in the whole game. Mm -hmm. They fumbled on the one and they punted from the 40 and clearly they should have gone on fourth down from the 40 because they would have made, yeah. it. um, you know, yeah. very disappointing game management by Nick Saban, but, uh, he's not even there this week. Texas A&M Mississippi state. I, I don't know. I can't possibly care about this game. I have nothing <laughs> to say about this game. I, good for this Texas A&M. They won last week and Mike Leach forgot how to offense. Yeah. This would be typically a, uh, you know, a game like you worry about, you know, kind of a hangover for A&M. But like Mississippi State looks awful. Leach has gotten to the point where he's, you know, calling players out and benching people like that. That's a, that's weeks. a mess. Yeah. He's already so. talking about processing players and getting them out of the out of the program. Yeah. yeah. What did you expect when the, the previous coach got fired? Just to, like walk into a, you know, playoff team. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm taking A&M. All right. So. Georgia Bama, um, the the coaching matchup we all wanted, Kirby Smart and Steve Sarkeesian. Um, you know, we've been wanting that all year. So uh I don't know, man. You first. Uh so I made this prediction before the news about Nick Saban coming out uh like it broke. Um so I'm just gonna stick with it. I think like that worries me a little bit. Um, but I think he's kind of built a machine. Like I, I don't I don't know that the, the head coach has that drastic of an impact. Uh, like as long as, you know, he's kind of trained everyone on what he wants to do, which, you know, Sarkeesian's been with him for a little while. So I am going with Alabama. I just think, you know, I, I, I really like George. I think their defense is really good, but, but Alabama is still going to score some points. And if this is a close game, I just go back to, I trust, you know, Mac Jones at Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle more than I trust Stetson Bennett in the Georgia offense. And, you know, until I see Georgia beat Alabama, you just wonder if those demons are going to pop up late in the yeah. close game. Um, so I'm going with the tide until I see otherwise, basically. I actually think Georgia wins as long as Kirby doesn't fake a punt. Um, Cause like, I think Georgia's defense is elite and I don't know if Alabama's defense is really very good. Um, so I don't know. I think Georgia wins this game, um, but 
glad we can watch it. Obviously not glad Missouri's not playing. Um, it's better for us when Missouri plays. More people pay attention to what we say. As of now, it's only Bob Douglas, Douglas and Mitchell slew of fans that are watching. So uh, we do appreciate you watching. And again, uh, may have some emails already, but I'll reiterate the offer. If you sign up for the, the 12 months for 12 bucks and, and email me, I'll add uh, three months to that. If you're already a subscriber, first three people to email me say, hey, I watched. Uh, we'll, we'll add six months to your subscription. Thanks to 573Ts. Go check them out at 573Ts.com. Uh, hence the name, the 573 Report. So no shows on Saturday. Um, we're just watching football like you guys. So I guess it'll be next, hopefully next Wednesday, we're back talking about a football game. I mean, I think we'll be talking yeah. about a game. We just don't know what it is. Right. Yeah. We've, uh, you know, not to toot our own horn too much, but actually to do that, we've been pretty good at, uh, at, at informing people first about the news of whether these games are going to happen or where they're going to happen. So just another reason to, uh, to subscribe and, and stay up to date on, uh, on what will be a very uh, interesting next few weeks to see how the schedule shakes out. All right. We'll get one last comment in before we go. Mitch Honeybear <laughs> once says, let's talk Larry Borum. So the stage is yours. Talk Larry Borum. He's big, very big. He's, he's he appears to be very good big at dude. football. He can dunk a basketball. At least he told me that at one point, and yep. he seems to be better than last year. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, he's doing a good job. Uh, Missouri, good week for Missouri's offense. Uh, good, good 44 seconds for Missouri's defense, and they're one and two, and wait to find out when they play again. So thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, plenty of stuff I'm sure is going to happen over the next seven days, but we will not be back here until next Wednesday night. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks a lot.